TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Well, you can tell right away he's really a great communicator. Um, I think that uh, as, as a former player, but also someone who's been in the front office and been a manager, I think he understands the game from every angle. And he communicates well with his players, and I think that's one of his great strengths, and, and that's pretty obvious just watching him on the first day of camp. Mm, Tom Ricketts talking to the media today. The Cubs owner talking about his new manager, Craig Council. We'll hear much more from Tom Ricketts a little bit later on. We have all of Tom Ricketts's media interaction today, which he usually does once a spring training, so we'll hear that in a little bit. I am Mark Rohde, in for Bernstein at home today, here with you until 2 o'clock, at which time it is the Parkins and Spiegel show. Today, featuring a couple of my favorites, Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron. They will be with you from 2 o'clock until 6 o'clock. We'll transition with them just before their show uh, gets going. Also want to tell you that uh, Bet MGM and 670 The Score are honoring Hall of Famer, Chris Chelios's career and the retirement of his number seven jersey this Sunday. Mully and Haw will be broadcasting live at Kaiser Tiger from 12 to 3. The show is expected to feature a visit from the man of the hour, Chris Chelios, and other special guests. Come by and say hello before uh, going to the game. That's this Sunday from 12 to 3 p.m., Kaiser Tiger, located at 1415 West Randolph, near the United Center. Bet MGM is also celebrating by offering a $7 bonus bet to all customers in Illinois. Bet MGM, the king of sportsbooks. All right, let's talk about the Chicago Cubs, and let's do it with a fellow Illinois State guy. He is uh, Tony Andraki from the Marquee Sports Network. He joins us now on the Circa Sports Illinois Hotline. Download the the, uh, Circa Sports app today. What's going on, Tony? How are you, man? Hey, Mark. How are you? Doing great. I I am uh, doing well as well was uh, just talking White Sox a little bit earlier, and now we get to talk some Cubs. And I actually want to start with you the same way I did uh, with Josh Nelson of the Sox machine, but as it pertains to the Cub, Cubs, as as presently put together for the Cubs, what are you most looking forward to about the Cubs this year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I'd say the young players. Like, I wouldn't necessarily call it like a youth movement, but – I think this team has more opportunities for a lot of young guys. Uh, You know, Christopher Morell at third base, for example. I mean, 
we heard similar narrative, I think, around this time last year that he was going to try to play in the field more, maybe at third base. And um, I think the Cubs learned a lot after last year. They don't want to put a 23-year-old, 24-year-old at DH full-time. So I'm curious about that. I'm curious about, you know, Pete Armstrong making the opening day roster or not. Michael Bush, the trade acquisition from the Dodgers, you know, if he takes first base and runs with it and becomes this left-handed slugger that the Cubs hope they could be, that he could be and, you know, clearly think that he could be based on the trade. You know, all of that. And then who gets the fifth starter spot? Is it Jordan Wicks? Is it Javier Saad? Is it a veteran like Drew Smiley? You know, when do guys like Ben Brown or Kate Horton or some of the other young pitchers come up? So I think that's that's one of the most exciting things um, from my end is like seeing which of these young guys can get their opportunity and run with it and become like a next piece of, of the core that the Cubs have for the next few years. God, I want to talk about all of that, all of those things that, that you just said. <laughs> I'll start like towards the end of where you were, and I, I got a couple other things about the, the response you just gave. Kate Horton was one of the names that, that dinged in my head when you were talking. What do you project for him in terms of when Kate Horton would, would be here potentially for the Cubs, the pitcher for people who don't know? Yeah, uh, I don't know for sure. I, I mean, I think the, the Cubs are super high on him, and more and more around baseball, people are super high. We, we keep seeing these national prospect rankings, and he's up there. I think he's a consensus top 50 across the board, across all outlets, and uh, some of them I think he, like 18 or something was one of the, the highest that he was at. Uh, so he's one of the best pitchers pitching prospects in all of baseball and among the best right-handed pitching prospects as well so he's a guy that you know got to double a last year he's knocking on the door even if he starts in double a maybe it's more likely he would start in triple a he's essentially one call away and very well could be regardless of whether he's in double a or triple a and so i think we'll see him this year I, I don't think that's a super bold take either and um as a matter of when i think that just depends on injuries and it depends on some of the other guys so Jordan Wicks and Javier Saad, Drew Smiley, as I mentioned, like I think those three are uh, among the favorites for getting the fifth starter spot. And Smiley and Assad particularly could be in the bullpen if they don't make the rotation. Yeah. And then after that, you know, it's Ben Brown and Caleb Killian still around. And, um, you know, depending on how the Cubs work, all of that. But honestly, Kate Horton looks so good that uh, they might well just decide and say like, hey, yeah, he's he's one of our best five best pitchers or four best pitchers or whatever it is. He needs to be in the big league rotation and go from there. Um, but I don't know when that happens. It very well could happen by June or July, and he could take off. Do you think that Jordan Wicks is going to be the favorite? I know you gave those three candidates for the fifth starter. Do you think that based on what he did last year that he's going to be the favorite to be the fifth starter? Like they they ideally want him to win that gig? Yeah, and so I think there's a fourth, too, that I forgot to mention with Hayden Wesneski, who yeah. I think is really interesting because Craig Council called him out by name when he was first getting hired. And uh, Wesneski talked about it at a Cubs convention that, you know, he he thought that it was really cool that Council was saying, hey, I want to I see a guy like Hayden Wesneski pitch and see him with my own eyes and, you know, as a manager, as a coach of this team now. So I think that's really interesting. I, I think Council did it was very uh, conscious about that. Like that was definitely a, a plan on his end. And I think Wesneski we saw in tw- the end of twenty two like his potential. So I wouldn't be surprised if Wesneski, you know, who won the spot last year, the fifth spot out, coming out of camp, if he were in the mix again. But my gut is Wicks is uh, kind of the guy. And again, that's right now. That's day of uh, first full squad workouts. But I feel like just the way he pitched down the stretch and how 
advanced he is, how mature he is, what he learned in those seven or eight starts in September with the team. I feel like he seems to me like the guy. And if not, you know, no big deal. They can send him back down to AAA or they can give him a couple starts and then send him back down if need be. But because the other three guys, Wisniewski, Assad, and Smiley, can all pitch in the bullpen, uh, Wisniewski and Assad also have options, can, can start the year in AAA in the minors or whatever too. To me, right now, I would say Wicks is the guy. Another prospect that you mentioned was Pete Crow Armstrong, PCA, who in the small sample size in the the 13 or 14 games, he was 0 for, did not get a hit. I think it was 0 for 13 um, in the bigs, just seemed a little bit jumpy and you know made some nice defensive plays as well. But as far as anything that you've seen or heard, has there been an adjustment at the plate, optimism in that area because he just you know small sample size he looked overmatched yeah he did and I think a lot of it was like catching up to the heater uh, whether it's high fastballs or just velocity in general and obviously he sees velocity in triple a it's not a major difference major jump in terms of velocity but for whatever reason I agree he just did seem overmatched at the plate down the stretch last year and I think that was the main focus and it it is really good valuable information to go into the offseason and Jed Hoyer pointed out right after the season ended his end of season presser where he talked about and, and told this to Pete Armstrong as well that Anthony Rizzo came up and struggled in San Diego and learned a lot of a lot from that, went down, made some adjustments, came back up with the Cubs the next year and was up to stay. So the the Cubs are certainly hoping that PCA follows the same path. And I think that was thirteen at bats or sixteen plate appearances, whatever it was were really valuable because it showed him the weaknesses, showed him the area he needs to address, shows him how big league pitchers are going to try to get him out, and it gave him all offseason to work on it. So I don't know the exact adjustments he's made to kind of handle velocity in some of the other areas, but I certainly know that it's something that like he was focusing on very hard hard uh, this winter. And that's one thing that we've always heard from PCA or about PCA is his work ethic is is pretty incredible. I mean, just in the couple of few short years here, he's been a part of the Cubs organization that Sure seems like the work ethic is, you know, off the charts. So uh, I, I fully anticipate he's going to come back around, make those adjustments. I just don't know if he'll be on the opening day roster. Mm. I think it might depend on some other moves. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And obviously one of those potential moves is if they do sign a center fielder like yes. Cody Bellinger. Yeah. As far as I know, up to the second, he has not been signed by the Chicago Cubs. What have you thought about this obviously drawn-out process, and what do you think about the Cubs' chances of still landing Cody Bellinger to play center field? Yeah, I mean, what I've thought about it is uh, a process like this, and like I remember Bryce Harper and Manny Machado a few years ago, it it makes me want what they're rumored to be talking about, like a two-week free agency period in December. Like, as a baseball fan and, honestly, as a baseball writer too, like I would like that. It'd be nice to know that these things aren't – dragging into late February or maybe even early March. Like, um, so that's my personal opinion is I feel like, like all the moves should be made definitely before spring training, but like before February, that would be an ideal uh, Avenue, I think. But yeah, you know, I, I I think it's kind of fair on both sides. Like Bellinger is shopping around trying to get the best contract he can get. This is certainly his best opportunity of his entire career to get the biggest paycheck and he's 28. He's coming off a great year where he got MVP votes. He obviously had a couple tough years prior to that. So this is his best opportunity in free agency. And, um, and nobody can blame him for trying to go out and, and get that bag, get that big contract. 
I don't know who else is going to give it to him at this point, though, besides the Cubs. And so I feel like it is just this, like, stalemate of, like, the Cubs and Jed have their offer out there. I don't know exactly what that offer is, but it's like, you know, here, maybe go see if you can find a better offer somewhere else. And as of yet, they haven't found one. So I still am optimistic he comes back. I just don't really see a, a good path for another team to, to sign him. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Angels, you know, they, they let go of uh, Shohei. Obviously, he walked and went, you know, to L.A., <laughs> the other team in L.A. Um, but I don't I don't know. I, I don't feel like that's a perfect fit there for Bellinger. So I'm just not really sure. I don't know of another team that would go out and sign him or give him close to the contract that the Cubs are offering. So I'm still optimistic he comes back to the Cubs. I just have no idea when. If they don't sign him, I know you just said you're optimistic, but let's just take the other side. If they if they are not to sign Cody Bellinger and they you know promote from within or whatever they do, is there any way to make a case that the Cubs, as they are right now, could be better than they were last year when they did win 83 games? So, yeah, that's a really interesting thought experiment. Like, are they better? If you look at it on paper, I'd say no. I would say they're not. When you lose Marcus Stroman, who for the first half was the Cy Young candidate, and then he got hurt and uh, had some, um, had you know, his ex- ineffectiveness on the mound, I'd say, for a while, even before he got hurt and then when he came back. But you have Shota Imanaga, who the Cubs feel very good about. You have all the young pitching that we talked about earlier that – could come up and either fill in the rotation or in the bullpen. So I think you feel good about the pitching staff. But, yeah, the offense on paper doesn't look like it could be better when you're getting rid of your best hitter, the guy who was, you know, three and four in the lineup for much of the year. When he was out was the worst stretch the Cubs had last year in mid-May to mid-June. That was the their lowest point. And then, you know, obviously we saw the run that he went on in July and in August where he was one of the best hitters on the planet. I think he had – the most RBIs in either all of baseball or all of the National League in the second half. So you take away a guy like that, and you have to replace the production elsewhere. The reason I think that it's possible to say that they would be better is just because of last year, the the Cubs in high-leverage moments, and we talked about it, it was a narrative all year, was they had so many one-run losses, and they were their Pythagorean record and their run differential and all of that (laughs) indicated a better team. So with a little bit better luck, with randomness going in their favor, they could essentially have the same year as last year and do it over again and have Uh five or seven more wins. Plus, you add in Craig Council, you add in some more pitching depth, these young guys coming up. I do think it's possible. I just think the path to get there without Bellinger in the lineup is tougher. I think with Bellinger, I would feel much more confident in saying, like, yes, this team is better in 2024 than last year. Yeah. There's also the the Craig Council factor on this team. You know, if you believe in in manager wins, what they obviously think of him and what they think that Craig Council can handle. And then there's the part of how much say does Craig Council have in what's going on? Is this his own mini little Craig Council rebuild going on? What do you think about the Craig Council effect overall and what maybe the Cubs management, the upper management, is is thinking when it comes to improving this team this year and now? Yeah, I think Council has been a big part of that. Like uh, his his front office experience is huge. And you know, we heard Tom Ricketts even talk about that today, like council being in the front office and learning that and understanding that uh, I think is a big, a big help. And I think back to what Boog Shambi said on our Cubs weekly podcast, right after council was hired, just that 
Council has had every little job, and he knows like every corner of a front office or a baseball organization, how it all works. And he talks to everybody from R&D to, you know, the minor leagues to the coaching staff to front office, and he obviously knows what it's like to be a player, having won, you know, World Series himself as a player. So I think he, he just understands so many different facets of a baseball organization, and I think that's very helpful. He's a guy that he's not just the, the manager, but he's – the face of the organization. He's the guy that talks to the media every single day, like David Ross did before him or Joe Madden before that. But he's also like this, I don't know, it's almost something more than a coach, right? Like he's an extension mm-hmm. of the front office. He's an extension of R&D. Um, so I think he understands all of that. And, and that the Cubs obviously are, are considering him when they're roster building and figuring out, you know, Christopher Morell at third base or if PCA makes the opening day roster or if he goes down to AAA to start. I think Council has a hand in all of that stuff and his experience too and just his reputation around baseball as maybe the best manager in the game. So I think the biggest effect we'll see is how he handles the pitching staff and where he slots in guys, particularly in the bullpen, how he utilizes them moving forward. Like, I'm really, really curious to see how that plays out this year. Yeah, man. Do you think uh, Alzali hangs on this year as the closer? Uh, If you had asked me that a week ago, I'd say, yeah, 100%. But Council, just a few days ago and talking about it, seemed to at least leave the door open a bit more for Hector Neris to have a bit more of a a say in that. So it could Mm -hmm. be something of a competition maybe it's a 50 50 split or maybe it just you know is one of those things that coaches do where they want to motivate the closer they don't want anybody to get complacent and think oh yeah i have the closer's job locked down so i I think it could be either of those guys i certainly think adbert will get a bunch of save opportunities this year but i don't know that he will for sure be the closer like the one guy that they go to in the ninth inning and work back from there let me bounce around a little bit here. A couple more minutes with Tony Andraki, Marquee Sports Network. What are the Cubs gonna? What do you foresee at first base for the Cubs this year? Yeah, well, that goes back to the Bellinger thing too. Um, yeah. In in lieu of sign, not signing Bellinger, uh, I think it's Michael Bush, the the guy they traded for from the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. He provides the left handed option, and then I think it's Patrick Wisdom provides the right handed option, and then I, I wouldn't sleep on Matt Mervis either. I think he's a forgotten prospect in a lot of a lot of ways. I mean, nationally, a lot of Cubs fans, I think maybe are even looking past him, but I don't think the Cubs have given up on him. I think he's a very, uh, he's a very likely option at some point throughout this year. And maybe that depends on if Bush hits the ground running or not. Maybe if the Cubs just want another left-handed bat in the DH mix, who knows? I think, I think Mervis is, is going to be a part of that at some point. I don't think given his minor league track record and, uh, just a little bit that we've seen. You know, he was only up for about five weeks or so last year yeah. in in May and in June. So when if he gets another opportunity, which I fully expect that to happen, I don't know if that'll happen on opening day. I feel like Mervis is kind of the star horse candidate to be in uh, first base mix this year. I wondered about that. I was talking to Bruce Levine, and he kind of was not as positive about that about Matt Mervis getting the shot with the bigs. But I'm thinking, man. They really liked it, and I know it, it didn't look good at the big league level for Matt Mervis, but I'm like, that's it? That He's just done now? So I'm glad that you kind of brought him back into the into the picture a little bit. There was another name that came up. You're like, don't, don't sleep on, don't forget about Matt Mervis. Another guy that actually Bruce Levine reminded me of the other day, as if we look at 
the center field position without Cody Bellinger, that somebody like Brennan Davis might be, we might start to see him get some chances at the big league level. And if a lot of things happened, Manning center field, what do you think about Brennan Davis? The, the one-time futures all-star, I think what was it was in 2018. Yeah, I think between Brennan Davis, Matt Mervis and Alexander Canario, you have three major wild cards among these like, really awesome prospects guys who were had national acclaim you know as prospect status but also the the numbers they put up in the minor leagues and their performance down there had been incredible and you know we already talked about Mervis but for Canario and Brennan Davis like those two guys injuries have really taken a toll on them the last few years and for Canario it was last year he came back after last winter having the horrible shoulder and injury uh, ankle injury on the same play in winter ball so he came back, he made, you know, a little bit, he had a little bit of a cup of coffee in the big leagues. I think he can certainly be in the mix. Uh, I don't know if he's on the opening day roster, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's not PCA, if it's not Bellinger, if it's like a Talkman and Canario platoon in center field. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Brennan Davis is a guy that I, I really have no idea what to make. I mean, <laughs> it's been two, two full years now where it's just been lost seasons for him. And yes. This was, this was a guy that they thought, um, was it? Yeah, it was going into 2022. They thought he might even make the opening day roster, or yes. he might be up in April. And and that was what uh, I remember even talking to him that spring. And you know, he was he was very confident. And we're talking about this guy in the media among the beat writers, like, hey, this guy could be the face of the franchise moving forward. And this was after trading everybody in 2021, and like they were looking for a, a long term piece. And I, I really thought that Brendan Davis was going to be a part of that. So certainly the Cubs aren't giving up on him, but. I think he kind of it's at the point now he has to go out and perform and the last couple of years because of those injuries the performance the numbers just haven't been there and and I I would say you know right now I need to see that and I think the Cubs need to see that before he's in any sort of big league mix but yeah it's certainly possible I mean this kid is super talented since we've been talking about a lot of the the prospects and guys that are flirting with the bigs I think that these these guys that I'm about to mention are probably a little bit of a ways off, but you could tell me if I'm wrong or not. Give me a little synopsis here. Um, Matt Shaw, Ben Brown, and and Kevin Alcantara. Those are names that Cubs fans are getting familiar with. What do you foresee for those guys? Yeah, the uh, I'll start backwards. So Alcantara, I'm not really sure where he plays because we just talked about the outfield. Even if Bellinger doesn't come back, I, you know, you have PCA, you have Talkman, you have Canario, you even have Brendan Davis in there. I, I don't know where or when Alcantara, where he plays, you know, whenever he makes it to the majors. Um, that I don't know that that's this year either, but he is already on the 40-man and has been for a couple of years, so there wouldn't have to be a major move there. To me, I, I guess my gut would say that he might be a guy that the Cubs trade at some point in a bigger move over the next year, year and a half. Um, but maybe not. Maybe some something else happens along those lines. Mm-hmm. But with both Hap and Seiya having non-trade, no trade clauses in their deal and PCA looking like the center fielder of the future, it, it feels to me like some of these other outfielders might be on their way out of the Cubs organization. And then uh, Ben Brown, yeah, I think he's the guy that's going to factor in a big league picture this year. And I don't know, as a starter, it could be as a reliever that throws multiple innings. His stuff's great. I think the big thing with him is control. He walked a few too many guys in the minors last year, but he has strikeout stuff, swing and miss stuff. He he's knocking on the door for sure. I think there was if he it was like a lat injury I believe that he had yeah. 
if yeah. if it wasn't for that, he would have been the guy, not Jordan Wicks, that came up. I think. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, so I think he's he's right there, and okay. he we might see him if there's one pitcher injury, he might be the guy. Okay. And then Matt Shaw after that, he's he seems awesome. I mean, every his what he did in the minor leagues last year in a very shortened season after being drafted. Uh, was pretty eye-opening, and now he's drawing this national acclaim among all prospect rankings, and he seems like a guy, he's been working on a third, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he took the Nico Horner path, and he's up the, in the big leagues the year after he gets drafted, so mm-hmm. it, it would not be a shock at all to me if Matt Shaw plays at Wrigley Field at some point this year, and given the fact that they're working him on at third, I mean, that seems like the most likely spot for him, too, because the middle infield for the Cubs between Dansby and Nico is locked up for years to come. So I think, I think the Cubs are high on, on all three of those guys. It's just a matter of fit and, and when maybe they would be up. I love it, man. That is some great stuff. Tony, thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yep, you got it. That's Tony Andraki, Marquee Sports Network. It is exciting to not just talk about those Cubs prospects, but hear about the possibilities of – them joining the team, Matt Shaw and Ben Brown. I mean, I love that idea that those guys could get time in the big leagues. This And Cade Horton, the fireballer we've been hearing about. The possibilities exist and seeing if some, if, you know, PCA, Pete Crow Armstrong, if these guys take the next step, like they're starting to be here. Yeah. Brennan Davis. Good to hear his name again. I like talking about Brennan Davis. Coming up next, we're going to, Keep it at the Cubs because the Cubs owner, Tom Ricketts, addressed his team, his annual spring training address, and he also took questions from the media. So we will listen to that next. I'm Mark Grody, and this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. The Parkins and Spiegel Show is hosting a QB1 Town Hall coming soon. Matter of fact, this Wednesday, the next Wednesday in life, from 2 to 6 p.m. in front of a live studio audience at the Blue Cross Blue Shield Performance Stage They'll be joined by football experts to weigh in on the QB1 debate that everyone is talking about. That's the QB1 Town Hall with Parkins and Spiegel this Wednesday from 2 to 6 p.m. Listen live right here on 670 The Score or the Odyssey app. You can watch live on Twitch and YouTube. I am Mark Rohde here with you for a little while longer 
up until 2 o'clock today. We've definitely been talking much Bears. We had Herb Howard on at 11, Eric Edholm at 11.40, talking about early expectations for the Bears. We've had some fantastic baseball talk today, like really thorough, really thorough with Josh Nelson on the White Sox. He was on at noon. If you want to check that out on the Odyssey app, feel free. Go back and listen to it. It's there forever. One o'clock, we had uh, just got done talking to Tony Andraki. And sometimes when you have a baseball guest on, you're, you're just kind of drilling down on one or two things. I felt like those were some pr- pretty thorough looks at both the Cubs and the White Sox in terms of holes and positions and expectations and things that the Cubs and the White Sox should do. So check some of those out. As we told you, today is kind of a a, a big day in spring training for the Cubs because it happens – once a year, and then we don't typically hear a lot from Tom Ricketts. I mean, he's not somebody that hides, but we don't hear a ton from Ricketts during the season, so it's a big deal when Tom Ricketts, A, addresses the Cubs team as he did today, and then he did share some time with the media. So let's all, as a class, listen to what Tom Ricketts had to say. You've always been consistent about talking about Jed and – Carter and heading that department and you give them a certain budget and they, they go from there. But, you know, fans are still hoping that, uh, you know, Bellinger is a part of that. Uh, as a fan yourself, you know, how, how do you, you get a, your head around the whole thing? Well, um, you know, the, the way it works is we generate all the revenues that we can. We take out our expenses and basically give everything to the baseball guys to spend. Um, and so, so we have a pretty simple model, and we, we let Jed make all the decisions on where he's going to allocate his resources. Uh, with respect to Bellinger, like I'm, I'm like everyone else. We're just waiting, you know, we're waiting for um, whenever, uh, whenever he and his agent are going to engage. And uh, you know, it could be, could be any time now, or it could be a few weeks. We'll just see where it goes. Without any additions, I mean, do you think this team has what it needs inside to, to be better than they were last year? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Jed had a really good off season. I mean, I think we, we've added some parts that are going to be really, really um, beneficial to the whole. And I, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be favored for our division this year. Tom, can you communicate with Scott Boris this winter, or is that relations still kind of where it's? You know, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't talk to Scott. Um, I think one of one of one of one of his like uh, kind of signature moves is to go talk to the owner. But I think when you do that, you undermine the credibility of your general manager, and um, or you, you know, so you you kind of like get, get inserting yourself into that negotiation. Uh, I, I don't think that helps. So I, I I don't talk to him. You use the word waiting. I guess the follow up would be waiting. You know. I don't know. Honestly, don't know. Um, I mean that's that's in that's up to those guys, and uh, uh, we're just going to wait until we get serious. How, how do you, when it comes to roster building, how do you view the balance of wanting pathways for young talent to come up, and also, you know, the amount of proven talent that's still out there in free agency, and and how the the range of outcomes could vary versus you know going for proven production versus upside. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really good question. It's something that, that Jed really has to be thoughtful about how he balances. When you're at where we are right now, when we have, you know, considered one of the top farm systems, 
you have a lot of guys that are going to be looking for playing time in a couple of years. You obviously don't want to have a lot of long-term contracts that block them. Um, you want players who are in your minor leagues to feel like there's a pathway for them to be a contributor at the major league level. And so you want to have that flexibility. I think one of the ways you do it is to be thoughtful about the contracts you sign and make sure there's always going to be openings as, as you look forward. So, But it's definitely something that Jed has to balance every day when he makes his, his personnel decisions. Tom, going back to Greg, what were your initial thoughts when Jed said to you, I'm going to try to recruit Greg Council to come be the manager? Yeah, well, obviously, um, you know, uh, I, I thought David Ross was a very, very good manager for us. Um, I think he had a good year last year. And uh, we expected to go forward with him when the season ended. When, um, when Craig did not extend with the Brewers, um, you know, we thought maybe he would be looking, he'd be looking around maybe to maybe move teams. And Jed came to me with the idea that we should probably talk to him. Um, I think he, Craig, Craig is considered uh, one of the best managers in baseball, and, and you're always trying to look to get better at every position, including manager. And so, um, so when, when Jed approached me, I was very much in favor of uh, him pursuing those discussions, and, I'm, and we're really happy that it turned out the way it did. That's today. Cubs chairman Tom Ricketts addressing the assembled media in Mesa as he does every spring training and address the team as well. They didn't really get to anything on that, but uh, I was listening very closely. He made it very clear that it is that they have given Jed Hoyer, they have allocated him the money and... He can do with it what he wants. So he is being supported. It's up to Jed. It's up to Jed. It's up to Jed. So there is nobody getting in the way of Cody Bellinger. It's just Cody Bellinger trying to figure out what he wants to do and how high either party might have to go at this point. But that's on Jed. That's that's what Tom Ricketts was saying, and that's the way it's supposed to be. I did. I liked hearing that. Didn't necessarily think Tom Ricketts needed to say that Jed had a really good offseason. I don't know that you classify this as really good. If you want to if you don't want to trash it, that's fine, but to actually say he's had a really good offseason, I just can't buy that. At this point, you are depending on a little bit too much on youth and a little bit too much on potential improvement this year because as of right now, you do not have that bopper out in center field and Cody Bellinger. You just don't have a lot of pop on this team in that regard, and that that's that's a big deal. So, you know, you'd have to again be depending on, of course, Swanson and Horner to have the seasons that they did. How about Seiya Suzuki maybe put together a complete season and become for once and for all what the Cubs thought they were getting when they signed him in free agency a couple of years ago. Ian Happ has has proved that he can go to an all-star game. That's for sure. Justin Steele, Jameson Tyone, Kyle Hendricks, Jordan Wicks, um, Shota Imanaga. I mean, so that that's what you're bringing back this year. So it's hard to make a case. I thought with the Cody Bellinger that you would get him signed and then you would even get beyond that. Like, to me, that was minimal. You get that done, and then you move on to who else are you adding beyond Cody Bellinger, and they haven't gotten there yet. So at this point, to say that the Cubs are improved, which is what I think you would be connoting if you said that the Cubs had a you know had a really good offseason, as Tom Ricketts said, um, but 
I, I just don't think that that has been the, the case yet. I mean, there, it feels like there needs to be some more moves, and it seems like they need to come um, very quickly. Like what he said, the the balancing the young players that that is on Jed Hoyer and of course David Ross. I don't know that I'd heard Tom Ricketts talking about the the David Ross stuff, and we're pretty far removed from it, so there wasn't as much emotion tied to it um, in that case. When we return, a little bit more on the Cubs plus. I am told that we have a call that is from – they're still talking about the Grobber tribute party that went down a couple of weeks ago, the Grobber overnight party that I hosted, the tribute to Les's life who we lost a couple of years ago. And uh, they're still talking about it. So we're going we're gonna to address that next, apparently. I'm Mark Grody. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Let's get back to more Mark Grody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Bum of the week, Green Bay Packer quarterback Aaron Rodgers for getting immunized by Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, and Dr. Howard. Yuck, 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 yuck. (laughs) My guy, the late great Les Grobstein. I know you said this guy's passed, you know, whatever, God rest his soul, but... (laughs) Didn't want anything to do with him. It's not cool when opposing teams' players embrace, even if they were teammates, even if Brian Urlacher and Daniel Manny were teammates. It doesn't matter. You shouldn't be hanging out and talk. That's hilarious, by the way. That is so hilarious that Brian Urlacher took issue with Les Grobstein to that level. But it was a couple of weeks ago that I honored, we as a collective radio station, honored Les Grobstein. I was merely the MC, the host of the, the overnight tribute show, a live five-hour you know, overnight show with a bunch of Les's old buddies and people in the media. You know, Just a blast. Lots of calls. Good times. And the, the people, they are still talking about it. Hold on a second. Because I have to tell you something that I bet Grobber would dig, and that is that this Sunday is the Chris Chelios Jersey Retirement Game. Yes, sir. You can tune into our show Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week for your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the game, the Blackhawks versus the Red Wings, this Sunday, United Center, courtesy of Bud Light. Easy to drink and easy to enjoy. Now, apparently... We still have, like I said, people are still talking about that Grobber overnight with the evidence being Kareem in Plainfield. What's going on, Kareem? You're on the score. Grouch, I am calling to defend the honor and legacy of the great Grobber. And uh, it's less about, basically, the overnight show, the tribute you did, I tried, I was on hold for three and a half hours trying to get this off, and and then I... uh, I couldn't make it anymore. So, but it goes back to October, uh, hours before the news of uh, Dick Buckus' death broke. Parkins and Spiegel, they had Erlocker in person as you just played the clip. Uh, they played the funny clip of him going off on Erlocker for congratulating Daniel Manning mm-hmm. mid-game for intercepting his, intercepting his own QB Cutler. And Les got hot. He lost his gourd, called everyone full of crap and vintage Les fashion. You're full of crap. I'm full of crap. You're full of crap. Did it sound something like that? Just like it. And uh, Erlocker, I get it. He was defensive, understandably. But And he refused to speak. 
too ill of the dead, but he did mock less for being an overnight guy as if he was a hack only good enough for overnight uh-huh. and I not even it. knowing who he was. Yeah. So that got me, as, as a true grabber stand, my blood has been boiling for four months. <laughs> Uh, to speak my piece of the legend Les, who is still and forever will be loved and cherished by all of us Chicagoans. And so, by the way, on the tribute show, though, how awesome were Kathy and Scott? You did a great job. And I came up with an, yes, sir, and I have a new nickname for Scott. Uh, We should call him the Scrobber from now on. Oh, I see what Uh, you're doing. I see it all. So I'm going to do my four bullet points in response to, to Erlocker. I'll be quick. Okay. Number one, Grobber, Grobber was right. Even if it doesn't affect the game directly per se, team chemistry is important. And I can't imagine Cutler, it wouldn't affect him mentally to see his own star linebacker congratulating the opponent. That's number one. Okay. Number two, Parkins and Speaks, both of whom are long been on the record as loving and respecting Grobber more than even most. They didn't say one word of defense or support of Grobber. They snickered like little kids when the whole thing went down. At minimum, they should have introduced the clip as legendary radio host and Chicago institution, Les Grobstein. So Erlocker knew what kind of tall cotton he was dealing with. Okay. Uh, bigger people, okay, bigger people than uh, Erlocker uh, know who Grobber is, like Michael Jordan. So we all laugh with grabber at grabber but you always stick up for family fair number three okay number three ironically this was the day of buckus's death and after listening to your former colleagues later that day hamp and ob talked about how important and great dick was something every chicagoan probably over 40 already knows as gospel all i wanted to yell at her locker was okay you think less is no expert and another dumb media guy well what is um, do you respect Dick Buckus or Ed Obradovich or Dan Hampton? Right. Do their opinions carry weight? Because I know for a fact that they agree with less. And last time okay. I checked, Ob and Hamp have rings around their fingers, bub. Four. <laughs> and then my final, my final okay. bullet point. Get it in. Show's I'm over at two. Okay. Go ahead. Get it in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Cost, it was either Costas. Uh, or Kaplan on a documentary about Harry Carey, and they pointed out how beloved Harry was, that if you had Michael Jordan at his peak on one corner and Harry Carey on the other corner, uh, people would, fans would flock to Harry because he was a true man of the people. Oh, sure. And I loved Erlocker, too. He was a great bear. But if he was on one corner and Grabber was on the other, I'd be talking to Grabber because <laughs> he's 100 times more interesting than Erlocker, and he'll be remembered in Chicago long after real Chicagoans forget uh, who Erlocker was. And while I'm on a roll, since Tom Ricketts preceded my call, yeah. bring Sammy Sosa back, get off the high horse, let us fans Give him the ovation he deserves. With and when you. you see Parkinson Spiegel, give him a good crack for me. I love you, Grody. Peace out. Take care, Kareem. Hey, when, when you wait three and a half hours to get on the radio, you're allowed to come up with a little list. While I'm here, let me grab my list here. Yeah, the list came, the bullet points, but that was good. Thank you, Kareem. I appreciate you hanging in there. I'm sorry we missed you at the Grobber party but it was worth the wait for all of us. Stand by, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Mark Grody, but in the hallway right now, Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron and Sean Sears, they're all huddled up. They're coming up with a show right now. 
We will invite them into the studio next on The Score. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 